Well, as I said earlier, we are in a, a special time at Hope, and uh, I had to, had to caution people at 9 o'clock. We're in the middle of, we're on day 11 of praying and fasting. And the first person I met said, oh, Pastor, I am missing. And she started talking about this food she wanted. I said, stop. You know, again, it's not about the food, it's about God. And, I mean, Denise and I, we, the other day we've caught ourselves planning our first meal after the fast is over. I said, stop it, I can't do that uh, because it'll mess you up. But we are, we are seeking God together, and there's a journal that's uh, 21 days or more. We'd love for you to pick one of those up if you haven't engaged in that already, and uh, it, it'll bless your life. Because, guys, it's not about the legalistic side of fasting. It's saying, God, we lay down what we desire to receive what you desire for us, and God is faithful to do that. And out of that, we were really trying to answer a couple things at Hope. Last year, we talked about this question, what is the more for? How many know we are a blessed people? If you're blessed, let me see your hand today. If not, I'm going to talk to you after service. Because if you're alive and you live in America, you are richly blessed, believe me. And and as Hope Church, in our 12-year history now, guys, we recognize God is just exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask and imagine blessed us. And we started wrestling with that and say, God, what is that for? Because if you give us more, God, it's not for us to consume it upon ourselves. God, what is it that you want to do through us? And then that led us into this season starting the year with praying to the God of more and asking God, Lord, clarify that. Lord, make it clear to us what you want to do in and through Hope Church individually as people and as the body in, in, the, in the years to come. And so as part of this opening series where we've been teaching on praying and seeking God, I had the opportunity to invite a great friend to come and to, to bring a challenge to us, uh, a teaching to us, an understanding to us that, honestly, church, we can never grow weary of hearing. And I'm so excited to have Brian Campbell and Jamie with us today. And I know it's a little bit of a reunion uh, in the house today because you and I are getting old. That's why it's a reunion in the house. There are people that you've been the pastor of, the people that I've been the pastor that both have been the pastor of over the years. Because in 1987, Denise and I were transferred out here by a company I worked for, and we had to find a church. And we were good Assembly God kids, and you know, in, that, in those days, that's, that's, that's all you knew. That's all we knew. So we went to First Assembly of God for one Sunday. And we decided that wasn't for us, so we went to United Faith Assembly of God, and who knew that the youth pastor at the time we visited and me, we would both end up being pastors of those two churches. And over the years, we've been friends, and we've kind of followed each other in ministry. And I have to admit, today is the first I've ever heard you speak in, in, in a preaching sense. And you're all right. But anyway, it was good. It was good. And uh, no, everything I always believed that, uh, that I'd heard about Brian Campbell is true. And here's the thing, guys. You know, hopesters, I, I bring people in that I, that I, I have a relationship to. I, I trust. It is an entrustment to come and to speak God's word, to share our stories, and believe that God is going to do something in us. So today I want you to welcome to the pulpit at Hope Church, Pastor Brian Campbell. Would you do that? God bless you. Well, good morning, Hope Church and others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the reason that this is up here is because it needs to be this big for the iPad. So, yeah, I've got, man, I'll tell you what, getting old is not for the faint of heart. I have some timers. Sometimes I remember and sometimes I don't. So, yeah, so now I need the, now I need the notes. But, uh, man, it is so great to be back to Charlotte, a little bit of nostalgia, seeing some friends and uh, so we pastored three churches over 30 years, and we have people here this morning from all three of those churches. So I don't know if it's a lynch mob or if it's 
friends. They haven't announced themselves uh, as such. So, uh, but, you know, I want to add one more thing to your, to, let's make this the third greatest moment in our life, okay? The third has not happened for any of us. The third will be the day that the Carolina Panthers win the Super Bowl. Jesus said these things would happen in the last days. For the last 12 years, we've lived in Atlanta, and uh, yeah, the Falcons beating the Panthers twice. What is up with that? Can we get a team already? But we've stayed true to, uh, true to our roots, and so for those of you who don't know, Jamie, if you just kind of stand and wave there, in July will be 40 years of wedded bliss. We raised uh, three, three daughters and now have three sons-in-law, but most importantly, we have four grandchildren. There's not many grandparents in this second service, because the grandparents in this room understand this, that, gr- that grandchildren are a reward for not killing your kids when they were teenagers. And we live strategically in Atlanta, not because doing what I do now, we could live anywhere. Uh, but Atlanta does have a, 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 the busiest airport in the world, so it's a good airport to base out of. But that's not why we live in Atlanta. We live in Atlanta because we live five minutes from our three grandsons. And we do not trust our kids to raise our grandchildren. So, <laughs> so there you have it. Yeah, and so uh, a couple years ago, we actually... I had a sense that God was calling us into a new dimension, so we got delivered from pastoring, and now for the last three years, we are serving uh, primarily, we serve as missions ambassadors, an ambassador is representing the cause of another, and so our primary representation is with with Fire Bible. Uh, For those of you that that is a new concept too, in the early 1970s, Don Stamps was a missionary to Brazil, and a great revival just began to sweep across that land, so much so that there was not uh, enough pastors raised up to be able to pastor the people that were getting saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit, a wonderful move of God. And so during that time, God gave Don Stamps the vision and the assignment to produce a, a study Bible that would be in Pentecostal persuasion. And so he undertook that, and with a host of theologians, it took Don Stamps 10 years to complete the work that became known as the Full Life Study Bible. Well, a little over 20 years ago, the Bible Alliance decided this is such a great Bible, we need to begin translating this into different languages. I'm happy to tell you that today that there are 57 different languages of the Fire Bible, the Full Life Study Bible, and over 10 million copies have been presented worldwide. Come on. That's exciting stuff. The two most recent was Vietnam and Albania, and you cannot imagine what it's like working in countries that are former communist countries. It took over 15 years to get this complete, but I had the privilege of being at both of those launches, and in 2020, we are projected to finish the Karen, which is a Burmese language in Myanmar, uh, the Hmong translation, Hungarian, Sinhala, which is uh, the primary Sri Lankan language, but we believe that uh, it's the Word of God that's going to make the difference, and so that's what you're part of, Hope Church, and thank you, Pastor Mike, for your partnership with Fire Bible, 
and uh, specifically uh, in 2021, we're hoping to also dedicate the Polish Fire Bible in Poland, of course, and that's the project that I think Hope Church is, is undertaking, and it's a fantastic story and the translation work that's being done there, but the bishop over all the Pentecostal churches in Poland, uh, he just is passionate about the Fire Bible, but he showed me a map. Uh, and there are 700 red pins on that map that represent cities and towns in Poland that have no gospel representation, no believers whatsoever. And so that's what you're partnering with. And, you know, once the Fire Bible is finished and, and uh, distributed in the land, that's when it really gets exciting. And so my, my work is, after 30 years of pastoring, I found my calling. I'm still a pastor at heart. I know I'm never going to pastor a church again, but I'm still a pastor at heart. I think like a pastor. I still preach somewhat as a pastor, even though it's not very good. But, you know, I just, so I'm still a pastor at heart. Uh, but through the years, and you're going to hear some of our story this morning, uh, God showed me my lane and our lane. And our lane is inspiring generosity in the body of Christ, especially for missions. And so that's, that's what we do, and we, uh, part of my responsibility with Fire Bible is I take pastor vision teams, of which I've invited uh, Pastor Mike to be part of if he's able to at some point in time. But on these pastor vision teams, and I was on many of these over the years as a pastor, this is where my life was encouraged and wind in my sails more than anything else was being on these trips. In fact, I was just on a trip with a pastor who went, this is his third year going with me. The first year, he committed 10000 to Fire Bible, and that was great, and he fulfilled that commitment. This year, 2009, well, last year, I guess now, 2019, that same pastor, that same church, gave over $65,000 to Fire Bible. And in 2020, they have committed $100,000 to the cause, all as a direct result of these pastor vision trips. And so that's what I get to do. And I absolutely love it. And so uh, if you turn it with me in your Bibles this morning, I get, a, I get to speak on a very, very profound subject. Very profound. God doesn't give me profound stuff. He gives me simple stuff, and I make it more simple. The real brilliant guys take profound stuff and make it simple. I take simple stuff and make it more simpler. So, <laughs> yeah, right? And so this morning, I, wanted, I just want to talk for a few moments on the subject of stuff. Stuff. Further, that our stuff, the stuff of our life, is the Lord's. Everything we have, everything that we are, we're bought with the price, but the stuff of our life is the Lord's. I want us to look at a couple of verses here. Exodus chapter 35, verse 5. And if you're still turning there, and also in the NIV, and then we're going to look at Exodus 36, 7 in the, in the King James Version. But as you're turning there, let me give you a little backdrop to this, to this text. This is when God has given to Moses the original design of the tabernacle. God's plan was that all of the materials for the tabernacle would come from the people. And so the way that you get that is you do what? You take an offering, okay? So the first verse, Exodus 35, verse 5, says this. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing is to bring an offering to the Lord. Chapter 36 and verse 7. 
Notice of all translation, it's the King James that uses this term, the stuff, and I love it. Watch this. For the stuff they had was sufficient for all of the work to make it and too much. Now, I've got great news for you this morning. I've got great news for you, Pastor Mike. Anything and everything that God has vision for you to do right now is already here. Isn't that exciting? What's, what's the other side of that? It, that it's still in your pocket. And so Pastor Mike gave me very specific instruction this morning. He said, he said come on, Campbell, just make it plain. Just, 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 just make it clear. And maybe you heard the story of the guy that was sitting on the front row of the church one Sunday morning by himself, and he had a black eye. And so the pastor thought, there's a story here. And so after the service, he goes up to the guy and said, hey, man, what's, what's up? What happened? He said, well, pastor, you know, my wife and I, we've had some, some issues, and we went through some counseling. And you know, I just have a hard time remembering stuff. And so we were in counseling, and my wife, you know, I forget birthdays and anniversaries and all the special occasions. She said, you know, we were in counseling, and my, and my wife looked at me and said, listen here, pal, my birthday is in two weeks, and you better not forget it. And here's the deal. Whatever you do, it better go from zero to 150 in less than four seconds. He's like, I got this. And so sure enough, her birthday comes, and she looks outside, and in the driveway is a box with a beautiful red bow on it. So she says, what meaneth this? She goes out, and she, of course, takes the bow off and opens the box, and it's a bathroom scale. If I did that, I wouldn't see my wife for a week, and then the right eye would just begin to open just a little bit. You see, I've been in this long enough to know that you think you're saying something, but someone's hearing a total different thing. And so I'm going to do my best this morning just to make it plain. A good friend of ours, Sam Johnson, he was driving across North Dakota, and as he was driving across, he heard an advertisement from a seed company, and it went something like this. The most important day of the harvest is the day you choose your seed. The most important day of the harvest is the day you choose your seed. Robert Schuller coined this phrase. He said, any fool can count the seeds in an apple, but only God can count the apples in a seed. Any fool can count how many seeds. If I was to open this apple this morning, it was a typical apple. In, inside the core would be probably five seed pods. And so that anyone in this room could count. What we don't know is what the potential is in each one of those seats. The reality is if we were as a project and as an experiment, if we were to undertake this and Hope Church was to undertake this, you would take one of the seeds out of the pot and you were to plant it. The reality is it would take six to ten years to be able to produce fruit. Once it began producing fruit over its lifetime, if it was the typical apple, you could have somewhere up towards 20,000 apples potential. Now, only God knows how many apples are in the seed. But with five seeds and five seed pods, there is the potential of, from one single apple, 100,000 apples of harvest. This is the product of a harvest. But in this one apple contains another harvest of upwards to 100,000. You see, the most important day of the harvest is the day you choose your seed. Now, if you were to come alongside of us, again, we have folks here this morning. It's a little bit of a, you know, memory lane, a little bit of a reunion, and it's wonderful, and we're honored, and this was such a surprise, and we thank you for that. 
But if you don't, those of you that don't know us, if you were to come alongside our life and just see a snapshot of, you know, of, of the highlight, the 10,000-foot view of our life and our family, you would come to this conclusion. Man, that guy is blessed. And I would say to you, man, you are correct. But what you would be seeing is the glory, but what you don't know is the story. To every glory, there is a story. So in 1988, at the ripe old age of 29, Jamie and I became lead pastors of First Assembly of God in Charlotte, North Carolina. We'd been married for about eight years at the time, and our daughters were six, four, and two. For the previous five years, we had served as youth and associate pastors. And oh, by the way, let me just pause here and say this. I can't make up anything today. Because I've got somebody here who's been at some part of the journey every piece along the way. This is, is it getting warm in here? I can't make up nothing. Because my theme is I never told a story God couldn't do. So I, I live by that. So anyway, we were, uh, as youth pastors, we lived in a small two-bedroom house, 950 square feet. When we came into town yesterday, we drove by 1644 Academy Street and uh, got out of there pretty quick. But even then, it was a very rough neighborhood. In fact, we had people killed at both ends of the street. So now, on a lead pastor's salary... One of, the, one of the practical aspects of that is, is the lead pastor's salary was more than the youth pastor. And so we were happy about that. And what that enabled us to do was to move into a, a different part of town, a, a, a nicer house for our growing family. And then the second thing was Jamie and I sat down and we decided we would begin to do something that we had never been able to do in our marriage. And that is for the first time we would have savings. Now, we had three daughters, six, four, and two, and we knew in all likelihood all three of them are going to want to get married, and we're going to have three, hopefully, young ladies that are going to go to college, which they all did. And so we thought we better start saving for this event. Well, my life verse for making decisions is Proverbs 16, 9. The mind of a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And so uh, I don't know if this is, I don't know if you've ever seen the sense of humor part of God's character. But I am living proof of the sense of humor of God. If not just anyone else, he loves dangling it with me. And so uh, as I was praying one day, I began to realize that that was a good idea, but it wasn't a God idea. And at the same time, God was dealing with Jamie. And so we came together and realized that the Lord began to give us a revelation knowing that everything that we would put into savings, that we were supposed to sow into missions. And so... The inference was that when the need, any needs that would come along the way or when the time, the appropriate time would come, that he would provide. And so off we went. For the next 18 years, we literally followed this plan. Time fails me this morning to tell you 18 years of God's provision for car and house repairs and, and Hurricane Hugo and braces and vacations and nine years of college because we wanted them to have a little bit of skin in the game. So we thought that they should, you know, invest in their own education. Don't be hating on me. I can feel the judgment here this morning. But fast forward to 2006, Christy, our middle daughter, was engaged and the wedding date was set for July 22nd. Four months out from the wedding, we had nothing. No savings, nothing saved for a wedding. 
And on the morning of March 15, 2006, just four months before the wedding, we had a house fire. In a matter of minutes, everything that we owned, all the stuff of our life was either damaged or destroyed. I must admit, I really saw this going differently in my mind. Early one morning, a few days after the fire, I was reading devotionally in our small rented apartment, sitting on my Aaron's Rent-A-Center sofa. And the Lord gave me Psalm 66, 12. We went through the fire and the water, but you have brought us to a place of great abundance. I sat there that morning and 18 years of remembrance began to just overflow in emotion as I sat there and wept and rehearsed God's faithfulness and that he was going to come through. The Sunday following the fire, a general contractor in our church approached me and said, God told me to do the rebuild and repairs on your house, and he said, insurance will pay the general contractor 20%, but I'm giving that 20% back to you. We moved back into our newly renovated home one week before the wedding of 350 attendees, and the reception was at the country club, and the wedding was completely paid for, and we had savings for the first time in our marriage. And oh, by the way, all of our stuff was replaced with brand new stuff. Come on, Hope Church. Give the Lord a praise this morning. I can see I'm going to have to prime that pump. In 2004, two years before the fire, we were uh, pastoring a growing congregation in Hickory, North Carolina, or as John Reap would say, Hickory. And so we were in Hickory, and we had embarked on a $1.5 million renovation and expansion to help facilitate our growth. All three of the daughters were in college at the time because one of them was cramming a four-year degree into five years. I was driving a Jeep Cherokee with 220,000 miles and a bad paint job. And we were still giving all of our savings to missions. During that capital campaign, Jamie and I came to a revelation knowing that we were supposed to faith promise $40,000 to the campaign for over three years. Now understand, we barely had $400 to our name, let alone $40,000. But on the night of the banquet, an unsaved man had come with his wife and he attended service on occasion as he listened to our story of how we came to this revelation knowing a faith promising $40,000, he decided that they would pledge $45,000 to beat what the preacher was doing. I was okay with that. <laughs> within 30 days, no exaggeration, within 30 days of making that faith promise, the Lord spoke to a businessman to pay our $40,000 faith promise in full. And the, the guy who pledged forty-five, dollars he paid it within six months. Come on, church. Give the Lord some praise this morning. You see, the most important day of the harvest is the day you choose your seed. And only God can count all the apples in one seed. In late 2006, several months after the fire, we were getting ready to buy Jamie a car. She had sacrificed many years sharing one vehicle to get our daughters through college. And the week before we were going to buy the car, we had our missions convention. And I made the glorious mistake of inviting my mentor and spiritual father, Pastor Hugh Rosenberg, to do our Faith Promise Sunday message. As he's speaking, Jamie leans over to me and she says, we can go another year with one car. We're supposed to increase our faith promise, the amount of the car payment. You see, we had learned on this faith journey and along the way, 
that God moves into the space we create for him. Now, that's an important statement. Because when there's a revelation knowing, sometimes God is asking something significant from us. But sometimes God is giving you an onus to put yourself out there that only he can provide. When that happens, he is, we literally, and we step out, we're creating space for God to move into. And so one year later, almost to the date of us making that faith promise and, and fulfilling that faith promise over the next year, uh, a, a man called and asked me to take me out to lunch. And, of course, that's one of my spiritual gifts. <laughs> it wasn't during the fast, Pastor Mike. And so, <laughs> and so we went out to lunch as we're sitting there at lunch, sitting across from this gentleman. He looks at me, and he, I could tell he was just a little unsettled about something. He said, Pastor, he said, God has woke me up three mornings in a row, and he's telling me to give you a car. Now, I knew that was God. Uh, he was a man of means. He'd pick me up in a Hummer. It wasn't that. <laughs> so we drove to his house, and the, the garage door went up, and he said, this is my baby. And inside was a garaged 740 series BMW. Uh, he brought out the title and the keys to his BMW, and I drove home Jamie's car. You see, the most important day of the harvest is the day you choose your seed. And only God can count all the apples in one seed. Now, Jamie and I, just so I can pause here and say this, and if you know us, you know this, but if you don't know us, you wouldn't know this, that our design was never to, to give to get. But there is a, a principle designed, the, the whole universe is designed by God as seed time in harvest. In Genesis chapter 1, God unpacks the whole idea. He's, he gave man the dominion over every tree, every seed-bearing, fruit-bearing tree. And so it's God's design. And so metaphorically speaking, in our life, our life is made up, I believe, and the stuff of our life is made up of, of the stuff, the seed, that when God asks for it, it's setting us up for a harvest. So in 2009, we were pastoring in Dunwoody, Georgia, a bedroom community of Atlanta, and we needed to raise $300,000 in three months. It was literally a bring your stuff campaign. The Lord gave me a revelation knowing to put, my, to put it's hard to even speak it, to place, to put, yay, to bring in. Now, my baby, which was a beautiful 2004 Harley-Davidson Electroglide with Samson Bubba pipes, you know, with, with LED lights. It was tricked out to the max. This thing was beautiful. And the Lord said, now you've enjoyed that thing for five years. Now it's time. I'm asking for your stuff back. And so the morning that we began the campaign, I literally, no exaggeration, drove the Harley down the middle aisle of the church and parked it in the front, and I gave it back to the Lord. <laughs> yeah, so, and we raised that 300000 in less than three months as the people brought their stuff. Shortly thereafter, we were blessed with a beautiful SUV. In fact, I'm still, we're still driving. It still runs like a champ. It's got a, a mere 138,000 miles. We're going to drive that thing until it drops. And then stay tuned because then that's going to be the next chapter of God's provision. You see, well, you already know, the most, most important day of the harvest is the day you choose your seed. And only God can count the apples in one seed. 
But in 2016, the Lord would surprise us again with our most significant epiphany today. Jamie and I came to a very clear revelation knowing that after 30 years of being a lead pastor, we were, we were finished. And God was calling us out of pastoral ministry and now into this hybrid missions role as a missions ambassador. And God wanted us to start traveling and sharing our stories of generosity. You see, my life was changed by the power of story. And I believe that the power of our story will do the same as, as the Lord is able to use it. Our story is just that. How God uses it is completely up to Him. So in July of 2017, we launched BJC Missions Ambassador. We took, hallelujah, 40% pay cut with no benefits. It's easy for you to be excited. But here's what we learned. For 18 years, the Lord asked for our savings. And along the way, He asked for stuff. But in 2016... He asked for the rest of our lives. And so with no regrets, we launched out into the deep and here we are because we truly believe that the most important day of the harvest is the day you choose your seed, especially the seed of your life, and that only God can count all the apples in one seed. Let me just pause here for a second and just say this about uh, that I didn't connect the dot earlier. Don Stamps died at 53 of cancer three months after the completion of the Full Life Study Bible. Don Stamps could never have seen or known what the fruit of the harvest of his life would be. Fast forward to today, now 57 different translations. In the next 10 years, we believe we're going to have, should the Lord tarry, we're going to have the top 100 languages in the world of the Fire Bible translated. And the money that, that Hope Church is going to partner with is going to help, is going to help with, with that. But I'm laboring in Don Stamp's vineyard with Fire Bible. I believe this. I have come to believe this about the seed of our life. I truly believe the greatest harvest of our life, we will not be here to see. Because when the seed is in the ground, Don Stamp's never got to see it this side of heaven. And Pastor Mike, I believe that should Jesus tarry, who, what will be the generations that will be past us, that they will be harvesting the seed of our obedience and the seed of our life and the seed of your life, because I truly believe that. Now, along the way, listen, if this is going to be an official message, I've got to have at least three points. That was all introductory. <laughs> but don't get nervous. The message is short. I had a couple guys tease me because they knew in those early days I loved to chase a rabbit. Well, I can't afford to chase the rabbit now because I don't know where it's going to go, and I don't think I can get it back. <laughs> like I said, I got some tibers or so. I got I to gotta stay pretty close to the notes. But Jamie and I have learned a couple things, a, a couple key principles that have served us well personally and as pastors and now as missions ambassadors. And there's, so it's three types of giving. There's three types of giving. Uh, let me insert this. There's actually three types of givers. There's the flint giver. The flint giver, which is a very small percentage, but a flint, okay, the only way to get something out of a flint is you got to hammer it, and then you only get a little bit. So there are people, you got to hammer hard, hammer hard, and you're only going to get a little bit. Then there are the sponge givers. Now, you know the concept of a sponge. The more you squeeze, the more you get. And so that's why we squeeze, because the more you squeeze, the more you get. Most people are sponge givers. But my favorite are the honeycomb givers. 
The honeycomb givers, they just overflow out of their own sweetness. And you, just, you almost have to provide an opportunity because they're going to give before you even give them a chance. But there's actually three types of categories of givers. There's reasonable giving, there's sacrificial giving, and then there's revelation knowing slash giving. The first category, and, and I'm not going to take my liberties here this morning. I'm just going to give you my personal opinion on this, my personal theological opinion, that reasonable giving as a believer is tithing. And the tithe is not giving, in my opinion, it's releasing. God has claimed the tithe. He's claimed the first, the first 10% out of our lives. And so when we release the tithe, we are giving back to the Lord, bringing it to the storehouse, what God has already claimed. And so that's a great beginning point. But where it really gets, gets exciting is when we move into sacrificial giving. Sacrificial giving is where we really start getting into the stuff of our life the stuff that are our possessions, and they're ours, and there are bank accounts, and there are possessions, and there are, you know, and, there, and I get all that. Listen, I get all of that. But at the end of the day, ultimately, our stuff is the Lord's. And so I love these times, and I get to be a part of a lot of them. I, you know, the, you know the, 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 the most fun I have doing what I'm doing is, and I mean this in the best sense of the word, please don't misunderstand this, but I get to ruin people. I get to ruin people for the ordinary. I was ruined for the ordinary. I get, a, I get the opportunity. Not everybody because, you know, not everybody's ready to be ruined. But there are a lot of people that are ready to be ruined for the ordinary because they begin to recognize their purpose. And they begin to recognize the purpose of blessing. God never intended us to be a reservoir. He intended us to be a conduit. And so that's why it's exciting when a church moves into this sacrificial dynamic. It's just like a fast. You're fasting food. Well, how exciting would it be, Pastor Mike, mentioned the 30-day thing, that you're willing to give up something for 30 days that you would normally spend out of your household budget that could go for a missions offering. That's when it gets really exciting. But then there's that revelation knowing that God is always trying to get us to. It's that feeling where it's just churning inside and you know God is stirring something that makes us uncomfortable. We have we kind of have built a, a summer home there. All right? I mean, yeah, we just we that's just that's just part of our that's just part of our story. Uh, you know, I'm just reminded when we were the first year we were pastoring in Atlanta. And we had a guest do a little 10-minute window on doing tabernacles, building tabernacles in Africa. For 5000 bucks, you could build a tabernacle in Africa. And so, you know, the difference between a pastor and a guy like what I'm doing this morning, I can tell you something or I can speak something, and, but I'm leaving today. I'm driving back to Atlanta. If you're the pastor and you're putting yourself out there, that's dangerous. You've got to live with the consequences of that. So I was the first-year pastor, and while this guy's speaking, I think I hear the Lord saying that there's someone here that they're supposed to sponsor a tabernacle. Now, that's 5000 bucks. That's not chump change. I'm like, God, I got to live with this. And so I was just struggling with this. I didn't want to do it. And so he finished, and I got up there. I was trying to preach in the back of my mind. I don't multitask well at all. But I'm just gnawing, so I finally, I just, I, I just stopped preaching. I said, folks, I, I, man, I'm not a prophet nor the son of one. I don't know if this is... But I think God is speaking to someone, and you just need the courage 
to respond, that's you. It was their first time dealing with this revelation knowing. And so I was just helping them. And so I spoke that out. Service ended, nothing. Monday, nothing. The next week, nothing. Sunday, nothing. I'm like, man, these people are, they're kind because they're not calling me out on it. But I thought I had missed it. That Monday, a woman shows up at the church, and she's, you, you know, she meets me in the parking lot, and she's, pastor, pastor, pastor. You know, you got to always be concerned about that on Monday morning. Well, she's waving a check, and I thought, well, maybe this is not that. I looked at the check. She said, here it is. And I looked at it, and I had already left this, the bus had left the station. I wasn't even thinking about that offering. And she made this statement. She said, here's the money for the tabernacle. Now, here was the kicker. She said, the reason I'm doing what I'm supposed to is because you did what you're supposed to. In other words, she was saying, had I not put myself out there, then she wouldn't have, she probably would not have followed through. And so that's this living dynamic that when God wants to do something, that's between you and the Lord. And as, if you've been serving the Lord for a while, you know what that feels like. You know when it's the Lord. And oh, by the way, let me help you. If it's ever, if it's ever, if there's ever two different ideas there or two different numbers, God is always the bigger one. Because I can promise you this, the devil is never trying to get you to do more for missions at all. In fact, he's trying to talk you out of it. But here's what you need to realize. <laughs> What's the most important day of the harvest? It's the day you choose your seed. And only God knows what the potential is of the seed of the stuff that he's asking for. And so this morning, let me offer this simple challenge. Is the stuff of, of your life, our life, is it truly available to the Lord? What stuff might the Lord be speaking to you about? What stuff of your life might be the seed of your next harvest? My prayer is that you will clearly hear and discern God's voice and have the courage to respond to that revelation knowing. Remember, the most important day of your harvest is the day you choose your seed, and only God can count all the apples in the seed of the stuff of your life. I can promise you this. God will be faithful to you. Let me close with one, one final story, and I shared this in the first service. I'll share it again because I believe that uh, I don't share this, this very, very often, uh, but I just felt led that it made there's some connotation here because I believe God is setting up Hope Church to be ruined for the ordinary. I, I just believe that. I believe God wants to make his name great. And part of the way that he does that is by taking us to do new levels. By the way, new levels, new devils. So in 2014, I'd been invited to attend two separate missions fundraising events, one of which was the Fire Bible. Stephanie, you're going to love this story. I don't know that you know this part of it. Now, let me just pause and say I, was, I had the privilege of pastoring one of the top missions-giving churches in the Assemblies of God. There are over 13,000 Assembly of God churches, uh, yeah, in the States. And we at that time were number 66 in overall missions giving. And so all that to say, we were a great missions giving church, and it was a blast and it was fun. But I didn't believe in keeping much seed in the storehouse. I believed in sowing it. We kept very little in, 
We just, we, we didn't want to hold on to it. We wanted to get it out there. And so all that to say in 2014, you know, we, we had, we could not take on any more projects. There was no room. We couldn't take any more offerings. We had nothing else in the budget. And so if I made a commitment at these two events that I went to, I knew that it was a revelation knowing that only God was going to be able to supply. Because I couldn't go to my board. I couldn't go to the church. This was just between me and God. Now, I put us on the hook, but they didn't even know it. This is, a, this is the only time I remember it happened in my whole ministry that I committed to something and nobody else knew it. Jamie wasn't even at the event because she would have been smart and talked me out of it. But I just knew. So I'm sitting in this fire Bible banquet, and I, I'm, I'm hearing in my spirit that we're supposed to commit $50,000 that we don't have with no plan, with no way to get it. And I just, it was, it was one of those times when you fill out the faith promise and you're handshaking, you know, like on set of something. Anyway, and so then, then I had the audacity to go to another event after that and pledge another ten. I really thought I was losing my mind or I was hearing from God. And so put our, we, I put myself out there. Uh, I, didn't tell, I didn't tell the guys till after the fact. So anyway, we had, we had these uh, three elderly sisters that were part of our congregation. And they had never been married, and they were all retired. In their retirement years, they moved in together and they were, you know, they were just the sweetest little old ladies in the church. And, you know, just so uh, one of the sisters passed away on August 12, 2014. And I did the funeral service. And now, unbeknownst to me, the two sisters who were going to receive the inheritance, there was no other family. And so they were going to receive her estate between the two of them. They decided that, oh, sister. She would just want something to go for missions. So apparently she had this stock portfolio in the company that she worked for for all those years. They had no idea how much was in there. All they knew is they felt like whatever it was, it should go to the church. Now, I sure would have liked to have known that a little sooner. You had, this preach is really good on Sunday morning. But I'm telling you, when I thought about that, there was not a day that went by that I didn't think about, God, first of all, I love you and I praise you and I worship you and I thank you for your many blessings. Now, what are you going to do about this? I sweated that out until the last week of December. And on the last week of December, December my business administrator came in and he said, Pastor, you are not going to believe this. You are not going to believe this. I just got a call and we are getting a check. Now, the check did not come. In fact, I've got a copy of I don't have the actual check in my bag. We cashed that in 10 minutes, and it was gone. But I have a copy of that check in my bag. He's, so we received the check on January 16, 2015. But he said the amount is going to be in the neighborhood of $78,760.67. Man, you guys are hard to impress. <laughs> You're ready to go to lunch, aren't you? Listen, Pastor Mike, Hope Church, I have no idea what God has in mind for you, but I can tell you this. I can tell you this. You'll probably regret the day that you invited me to speak, <laughs> as I did for Pastor Hugh, and I say that tongue-in-cheek. But whatever God has you set up for, 
it will come through a revelation knowing. And that what he wants you to commit to and something beyond your capacity, and selfishly, I obviously hope it's fire Bible, but regardless, but regardless, God is setting you up for a fresh season of harvest.